Hello everybody and welcome to First in Goal. It is Monday, January 31st in the year 2022. This is the hardest hitting up and coming ACC SEC football podcast on the internet today. Bar none, the one, the only, First in Goal. I'm joined here as always with my co-host, Big Rob. How the hell you doing, man? Well, I am doing fantastic. Doing fantastic. We got uh, Super Bowl coming up. Everything's decided. We've got uh, some recruits to talk about today. we got all kinds of stuff going on, man. Yeah, man. It's a great time to be alive. I'll tell you what. The 31st day of January, already at the end of this month, we're going through these days like Urban Meyer goes through kickers, I'll tell you what. <laughs> More like Urban Meyer goes through football teams. Whew, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, I'm telling you, the 31st of January, it seems like it was two weeks ago. We were over here at the house having a couple of drinks celebrating the New Year's. Yeah, man, now here we are, first month's out the way. It is tomorrow will be February 1st. Yes, it will. You know what that means? Groundhog Day. T-minus seven months. T-minus seven months. To college football. Well, not to mention uh, T-minus. Well, to the regular season. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be like uh, tomorrow starting. It's going to be like T-minus a month and a half until spring uh, football starts. Damn, Skippy. And I don't care what nobody says. Everybody overlooks spring games. The spring game, you can watch everybody's spring game. Go over the film. Study it up and down. You can damn near pinpoint your top five teams in the nation. Off spring games. Absolutely. Absolutely. We proved that last year. I mean, we penciled in the national champs. We sure did. We penciled in the national champs. We penciled in who was not going to be a good team, who was going to fall off, who was going to be surprising. Mm-hmm. All kinds of good stuff, man. Spring games are awesome. We were only wrong, wrong about one or two teams. Yeah. Who the hell was we wrong about again? Alabama. We Actually, we wasn't. Because you know what? I remember very vividly saying they're going to lose two games this year. You said two. You sure did. They lost Texas A&M and they lost in Georgia. You sure did. We're, we're going to have to pull that up on uh, and let us listen to it one more time just to have the proof, but I'm pretty sure you're right. I said they're going to lose at least two games. Yeah. Maybe three, but definitely two. You sure the hell did. So you can all kiss the people's <laughs> ass. The people's ass? Yes, sir. I don't want to kiss people's ass. That's in we the people, the football people. <laughs> How about this day of National Signing Day coming up this week, man? Oh, I am excited about that. I mean, most of the talent has already signed an early signing day, so it doesn't make February 2nd as glorious as what it once was. It used to be Christmas morning for you know folks like me. Yeah, recruit and whatnot, but uh, definitely got a lot of good things coming. It does kind of suck how they <laughs> did that. I mean, what's the point of the early signing day and the regular signing day? Like, what's what exactly is the whole purpose of it? I can see if you want to be an early enrollee and get out there and get to practicing, but really, there's no practicing going on. Well, I mean, you got time with the team, with the you know the weightlifting, also with getting your uh, your diet started things of that nature. I think that's basically where it starts at to, you know, get a little jump start on everything. I get that, but at the same time, think of it this way, even on early signing days, they're signing, but they're not enrolling. 
They're not on campus. Hell, Spencer, Spencer Rattler's not there yet. Actually, he just showed up today. Okay, today. <laughs> he came in, what, a little over a month ago? Um, yeah, I want to think it was early early to mid-December is when he actually announced. It was right around Christmas. Yeah, because Christmas came early. That's exactly right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, most <laughs> of the early signees, if they're going to be early enrollees, they are coming to campus Usually around that second week in January. Yeah, I mean, I reckon I get, I don't know. I mean, I, I get both sides of it. I mean, if you're an early enrollee, you're missing out on the last half of your senior season, which can be a bit of a bummer. So I can understand how kids want to try to stay, you know, just get that full sense of their senior year. But at the same time, when you are a you know, a big name recruit, it's best to get in there and, you know, kind of get working, get started, go ahead and get your name in there with the coaches, and, uh, you know, especially for those that need that little bit of a leg up. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I mean, it does give you time to get your foot in the door, go ahead and at least get a copy of the playbook, mm-hmm. get some films, see what the guy before you did, and mm-hmm. see what's working. So I get that. And get in there with your strength and conditioning coaches. I mean, look at some of these kids that early release and – Getting in there, being able to work with uh, Luke Day. That's right. Oh, Luke Day. And my old teammate Byron. This is a strength coach. Hell of a guy. Hell of a guy. (laughs) But uh, I just, I don't know. It kind of takes away the excitement for me a little bit. I mean, don't get me wrong. Early, Early signing day is awesome. But to have it all one day, man. I don't know, it's kind of like the NFL draft. Right. I've never really watched draft before until here recently, and that is... Until like two years ago. Yeah. Now that's exciting. Yeah. It's going to be even more exciting when we start watching the uh, the other show. Oh, Pat McAfee. <laughs> Shouts out. Shout out. Yes, sir. And I'm telling you, man, that whenever you show me old Pat McAfee's... <laughs> Bo, that was hysterical. The NFL draft they yes, did? Yes, sir. Oh, AJ Hawk owner. We're going to get sued. <laughs> I'm oh, surprised they didn't. If y'all ain't watched it, go back on the YouTubes and pull it up from previous seasons and just just get excited about what's to come. Just look up Mad Mel Kuyper. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's hysterical, man. Oh, Mad Mel. Gracious day. <laughs> well, man, tell me about some of these uh, recruits. We're going to... Let's look at the top ten SEC, ACC. I know you've been working hard at it, getting the list together for us. What yes. you got there, man? Yes, sir. And a lot of these kids I've got have already signed, early signing. I've got a couple that are still yet to be committed. Um, first of all, we're going to start with a defensive lineman, Walter Nolan. Uh, has already signed with Texas A&M. He's uh, nationally ranked second overall and first for defensive line for the class of 2022. The kid is six foot four, weighs three hundred and twenty-five pounds. Damn it! Sounds like another Jordan Davis. But he is a brute. His uh, senior season, he had ninety-three tackles, twenty-eight tackles for losses, and seventeen sacks. So the kid did work in just one season. Seventeen sacks. Se- uh, seventeen sacks, yes, sir. Damn. Yeah, that's just what Texas A&M needs. Oh, Another I mean, great defensive player. I mean, you just wait until I go so, all over some of these other kids that have signed with A&M. 
But uh, watching the film on this kid, he's got a huge motor, quick feet, and uh, he's able to get off blocks and be able to use his hands, you know, when necessary to, you know, either swim, rip, uh, or just, you know, get the man off of him. And that is a very underrated factor when it comes to defensive line. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I tried to tell a lot of guys when I was helping with some coaching is when you're playing defensive line, everybody thinks it's all about the speed. Everybody wants to try to spin. That's not where it's at. When you're a defensive lineman, one of the best tools you have is your hands because your first your first job as a defensive lineman is to fire off the ball, beat the offensive lineman off the ball, first mm-hmm. of all. But then use your hands, create a little bit of separation, mm-hmm. fill your gap, and read the play. Yep. Hit, read, react. That's exactly right. And when you get a lineman that's got good hands, good arm strength, and he can does really good handwork and footwork to match it. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, that's that's where it's at. I mean, I mean you look at some of the all-time greats: Warren Sapp, Julius Peppers, LT. Mm-hmm. Hell, um, the rookie, the Cowboys got this year, Michael Parsons. Michael Parsons, yes, sir. The thing that they all had in common was they were really fast with their hands, and they were. Their hand placement was just phenomenal. They knew how to get leveraged. They knew how to read and get the offensive line right where they wanted to where they could shed the block at the last minute and make the play. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to be honest with you, looking at this guy, one of the pros that he reminded me of, and you're going to remember him from way back in the day because he's a Green Bay Packer, but old Reggie White. That was a man. That was a – he reminds you of Reggie White. He reminded me of Reggie White. Why is he going to Texas a and <laughs> I don't know, man. Damn you, Jimbo. <laughs> uh, next up, we're going to go with a wide receiver signed with Missouri. Why he signed with Missouri, I'll never know because that is a dumpster fire and a half. Because Eli needs somebody else to blame probably because he can't take none. Name is Luther Burton. Nationally ranked third overall, first for wide receivers. Six foot, 200 pounds. He set the Illinois state record with nine punt returns for touchdowns in one season. That's just what Eli needs. I'm sorry, I didn't hear half that. I got hung up with the name. That's just what Eli needs is a kid on his team with the last name Burden. That's just what he needs. We know who he's going to blame the next bowl off on. Oh, if he's even there that long, I don't know if he's going to make it through the whole season or not. I don't care for that damn attitude that guy has. Don't blame your players. But again, he uh, set the Illinois state record with nine punt returns for touchdowns in one season. Damn. He had 71 receptions, uh, 1,190 yards, 23 tubs. Is that receiving touchdowns or does that include punt returns? That's only receiving tubs. Damn, and he's a good punt. Yes, sounds kind of like a great playmaker South Carolina used to have, Mr. Ace Sanders. Mm, yes, sir. Yes, sir, a lot like Ace. And uh, what was the one that went to um, Carolina for a little while? Great punt returner, too. Which Carolina? Panthers? Panthers. Um, which year? Uh, last I looked, he was still at Carolina. This year? Yes, sir. Talking about Stephon Gilmore? No, not Gilmore. He was another one. I can't remember his name. I'm sure I'll remember it. Uh, Captain Munderland? No, it wasn't Munderland. I think Munderland's been out of the league for like two years. I'll remember it here in a minute. <clears throat> but uh, 
watching the field on this kid, uh, he's slippery in the open field, has great vision, very elusive, quick feet work, also has a uh, hellacious stiff arm and a good vertical jump. He can mush it. So in other words, he's going to be a big red zone threat. Red zone threat, uh, deep threat. I mean, he's got the speed to get open. Um, route running was just phenomenal. That sounds like a hell of a player there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If, um, Missouri can get their quarterback going. I, I'm sure that's going to be a, a hell of a one-two combination. That quarterback that had in their bowl game, I mean, he looked, he looked impressive. He was, he was real good. Looked sharp. He really did. He really did. Until he got the blame for everything. Yeah, I just that's a sad culture. Absolutely. Poor guys. <laughs> Up next we got a linebacker, uncommitted, named his his name is Harold Perkins. He's gonna be announcing his commitment February second, which is Tuesday. Or I'm sorry, Wednesday. He's nationally ranked fifth. He's six foot. Two and a half uh, inches, 210 pounds. His top three, his top three is Florida, LSU, and Texas A&M. Well, I say to hell with all three of them. Why don't you come on down to South Carolina, very big dog? <laughs> we got Perkins all over the state. You can get cinnamon rolls. They're delicious. <laughs> come on. We need you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'll tell you, we got a place for you. Yes, sir. Come on down. He uh, plays both sides of the ball. Uh in high school, he played linebacker and running back. Um, on the uh, defensive side of the ball, he had 35 tackles, three for loss, and two sacks. So it sounds to me like he played a lot of running back in high school and uh, was very limited linebacker, but they liked him enough to be able to go ahead and bring him in as a linebacker. Might have, uh, they might have signed him as a linebacker, even though his main position was running back, just because they said uh, maybe in – the league, what three teams again did you say he's looking at his main three? LSU, LSU, Florida, and AM. Okay, all three SEC schools. Yes, sir. Probably all three of them are saying, okay, he doesn't quite have the speed to be a running back, but he can still be a very fast, say, Mike backer or a good outside edge backer. Yeah, absolutely. Edge is what I think he would be, uh, just, you know, judging by his size <clears throat> and his strength. Um, but yeah, he's going to be a mean man. Mm, that's just what those three schools need. Which, I mean, actually, Florida Florida really could use some help in the linebacking core. They had some strokes there this past year. LSU looked decent. Texas A&M there. But Texas A&M is just stacked. Oh, both. And they're, I mean, they're just getting even more stacked by the day. Yeah, I mean, they are just – it's ridiculous. They, I mean, they really are a stacked team offensively, defensively. And that defense – Besides the Georgia Bulldogs, that has to be probably, I'd say, the fastest defense in college football this past year. I mean, they flew to the ball. Definitely one of the fastest. I mean, I mean, look at what kind of a whooping they put on Alabama. Have you ever hit a bee's hive before? A beehive? Yeah. Yes, I have. Or a wasp nest, for that matter, while there's wasp on it. Yes, I have. You notice how they swarm you so mm-hmm. fast and you mm-hmm. just can't get away from them? Mm-hmm. That's what that AM defense is like. Absolutely. I mean, ever, it's ridiculous. You ever been about half drunk and run over one with a riding lawnmower? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't say I had that happen. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> Oof. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next up, we got uh, Jeremiah Alexander, going to be an edge player, uh, committed to Alabama. Six foot two, 235 pounds, and can play edge or interior linebacker. He had 93 tackles, 29 for loss, with 10 sacks. 10 sacks. 29 tackles for a loss. There's potential there. Absolutely. I mean, especially if he's going to Alabama. If you go to Alabama, it's granted you're going to be getting coached by the best of the best. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, half your coaching staff is former NFL coaches. I'm telling you. And uh, a lot of them are coming in from, you know, already often uh, NFL coaches or just ones that have aspirations to get to the NFL. That's right, man. I mean, 235 pounds. He gets there. Say he puts on another 10, 15 pounds. That'd be ideal for a Mike backer to leave. Mm-hmm. Especially if he can get 40 time around, 4'6", 4'7", somewhere in there. That would be ideal. Absolutely. Edge, he's a little – what's his height? Uh, six foot two. See, Edge, he'd be a little bit undersized if he's playing – as an edge rusher, not a defensive, not an outside backer, but as a true edge defensive rusher, yeah, he'd be a little bit undersized because most of your offensive tackles now, average size is probably around six four to six six and around three fifteen to three twenty. Yeah, yeah, six. it sounds like he would be more fit in like a three four type of defense as a, a linebacker on the outside or four two five. Yeah, four two five, he'd be a really good fit in. Absolutely, you know who runs four two five. Carolina. South Carolina. Why don't you come on down, buddy? <laughs> come on down. The price is right. <laughs> come on down. So, uh, with Mr. Alexander, I can only find one game from a senior season. But uh, this man, he is a monster. He's got good strength. Again, good handwork. And he will lay the smack down on any candy ass. He is a slobber knocker and a half. That's the same man we were just talking about? Yes, sir. Okay. Got a, he's a thumper, right? He is a thumper. He hits hard. But it looked like he put one kid in a coma. Oh, Yes, sir. Oh, I hate that for the kid he hit. I mean, I do too. And it was it was a legit hit. Very legit hit. Upon impact, it looked like a car crash. Man, the kid's head snapped like a freaking whip. That like that damn hit Debo Samuel took in the playoff game. Last yeah. night, but did you see that? I did not. I haven't seen that yet. Well, like he got hit by a damn Volkswagen or something. Yeah, I was busy working on this and didn't get to watch the game. It looked like his knee hit him in the face on the way to the ground. No kidding. It was rough. Jeez. Got back up, went right back in. I said, damn. Yeah, I was keeping up with the, you know, the highlights on the phone and whatnot to score. But goodness gracious. I watched the game for about 10 minutes. I seen that. I said, I'm out. <laughs> Time for bed. Debo gone. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Number five. We're about halfway through this list for the SEC. We got Malachi Starks, athlete, uh, has signed with Georgia. Six foot one, two hundred pounds. Has played quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and defensive back. He's a track and field star uh, in the lunge jump. He also has speed and ability. Uh, Georgia plans to actually have him at safety this season. But the, the man can, you know, he's got that uh, that vertical jump as well. He's, you know, they plan to be able to use him as, uh, you know, sort of a, a cover back. That would be good. 6'1", 200 pounds. 
six one, two hundred pounds. I'm telling you right now, that'd be a good cover back. But six one, two hundred pounds. That's the frame there, man. He could hit. Yeah. I guarantee that man could hit with that size. Absolutely. And uh, you know, not to mention the the ability he would have to be able to run the ball back with pickoffs and whatnot. Kind of makes you wonder how much of a ball hawk he's going to be. Well, that and also if he pl- if he is in track, see, track is really great for speed burst. Mm-hmm. A lot of your guys, your great defensive backs, all did track, and that's why they're able to get such a great, as they say, break on the ball. Yeah, because they can see it and they can hone in on, it and they can just burst downhill, get the ball. They can go from twenty percent to a hundred percent with a snap of a finger. No, absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's it's amazing how much speed some of these, uh, you know, these long run guys have, and how they. How they're able to keep it going for you know such a distance as well? What you know how how they've got their lungs built up? Yeah, 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 absolutely. A lot of defensive linemen run track also, just to help with cardio. Yeah, um, a lot of defensive linemen will run track. They'll uh, you know throw shot in high school too, just to you know get that little extra strength advantage going on. That's right. Next up, our first quarterback of the day, Connor Wegman. Guess who he signed with? What the hell is his name? Connor Wegman. Or Wegman. Wegman? W-E-I-G-M-A-N. We? Weg? Weg. I'm going to say Wegman, but it might be Wegman. Damn, fine. That's an interesting name. Very interesting. Quarterback. Quarterback. Guess where he signed with? An SEC. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Who did I say had a lot of guys signed with him? A&M. Texas A&M. Kid is six foot two, two hundred and eight pounds. Has been compared to Brad uh, Dak Prescott. Poor kid. He's uh, impressive, quick. He uh, he can throw the deep ball in a hurry and um, can stretch the field with his legs as well. At almost nine thousand passing yards. What? Just in three seasons alone. So 3,000 yards a year. Yes, sir. That's pretty good. Especially for high school. And also had nearly 2,000 rushing yards in three seasons. Has a record of 31-7 and seven with 123 total touchdowns, including passing and running. A little over 40 touchdowns a year, about 41 touchdowns a year. Yes, sir. Damn. Yeah, that's getting after pretty good. Yes, sir. That's uh, that's getting it. And <clears throat> yeah, this kid's just getting it. He's got the arm strength that, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he could throw it 80 yards down the field on his knees. Hmm. Mm-mm-mm. Too bad he got compared to Dak Prescott. Poor kid. That's not very good. <laughs> Next up, we got a cornerback. Surprise, surprise. Texas A&M signee, Denver Harris. Texas A&M, man, they just, they killed it in recruiting. Loaded up. Which, last time I checked, I think they have the number one recruiting class in the nation. Last year. I looked, yeah. Last I looked, I believe it was A&M, and then I believe Clemson might have been closely behind them. Mm-hmm. But Denver Harris, six foot one, one hundred eighty pound quarterback or quarterback, excuse me. 
you can you can cut on a dime and has blazing speed. Packs a punch when he hits you. Isn't afraid of uh, jamming wide receivers at the line of scrimmage. And uh, but he, he can find his stats anywhere he chooses to. He's a ball hawk. Mm. I just can't get over all these guys signed on the Texas A&M, man. I mean, that's, that's scary. But, hell, just about every year since Jimbo's been there, they've had about top five recruiting class every year. Every single year. But it's like it's it's almost like they get there and they don't know what to do with them sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, look at all the kids that have left Texas A&M recently. Yeah. You got a good point there. I don't know. I mean, Texas A&M is kind of an awkward position there because you got Bama right there in the conference, but then also you got LSU. So any given year, you got to play not one but two powerhouses. And then depending on what uh, Arkansas looks like, they could be hit or miss every season. And Ole Miss. And Ole Miss. And Mississippi State. Uh, Every now and again. Mississippi State's just an upset team. They're just going to come in and upset you when you least expect it. Exactly. But, I don't know. I don't like this one bit. <laughs> if you're a Texas A&M fan, though, man, you got to love it. you got to love it. Absolutely. And, I mean, I don't know how it's going to pan out on paper, but it looks like A&M is going to have a hell of a team for years to come. But, again, it's just on paper. They're going to have to make a run at this natty here soon. They're going to have to. You would think. You really would think. I mean, with everything they've got in place, some of the, you know, the the kids that they've signed that can be, you know, day one starters, some of these people that they brought in from the transfer portal. But, again, you've got to look at who they've lost in the transfer portal as well. So, you know, it's going to even out in the end, but we'll see what it looks like. That's right. All right. Next up, LSU signing offensive lineman Will Campbell. Get his six foot six, 300 pounds. He's tall with above average length, great reach, great footwork, and loves his pancakes, as any good lineman does. LSU definitely need to rebuild an O-line department after this past year. Bring another one in there, pick up that running game. LSU, man, they can be a force to be reckoned with. I just don't know about the coach. As long as that coach is there, I mean, he may come in. He may do good for two or three seasons because of what Coach O had built before he left. Right. But after after the third or fourth season, he's going to be gone. That's right. I do believe. I don't think he actually has what it takes to actually build a team. Yeah. That can compete anyway. In the SEC. Let me just let me just rephrase that because, you know, they did compete up north where he was at in Notre Dame. Yeah, but in Notre Dame, man, you're an independent school. You literally get to pick your whole schedule. You're right. You're 100% right. You can you can finagle a schedule real easy to make it look good every damn year if you want to, honestly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And 
you know, of course, they're playing some Big Ten teams, which don't say much, but they also played some ACC talent this year as well. And with, you know, with the deal that the ACC has made, that could be a thing of the norm. That would be pretty cool. I mean, especially, that's the one thing I did like about 2020, was Notre Dame actually had to play in the ACC. Yes, sir. And contend for the ACC championship. And I actually enjoyed that pretty well. I enjoyed watching uh, Notre Dame that year. I really did. Notre Dame was kind of fun to watch when they actually had a conference. But as an independent. Who do they have to compete with, really? I have a hard time watching any independent school. Because it's just, what are, you, what are you playing for exactly? I mean, it's either national championship or, okay, next year. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's natty or bust. Yeah, there's no real goal in sight, no division titles, no conference titles. And there's really no real, you know, team that, that you just absolutely despise as a non-conference team. You don't have that one team that, that you're – The most – I remember growing up, and see, Notre Dame, from, from what I understand, has always been independent. And what I don't get is growing up, they had some heated rivalries. And those have seemed to go by the wayside. And they were still pretty heated in the Charlie Weiss years and whatnot. But when Kelly was the head coach there here recently, I mean, another thing I didn't care about was kind of like the traditions went by the wayside. Growing up, Notre Dame, Michigan, that was a, that was a hell of a robbery. Not to mention USC. Oh, the USC Trojan game every year, man. I mean, that was... That was the heat of a robbery as it gets, and Purdue. Purdue, I mean, with that USC, Purdue, Michigan game, that I mean, if you didn't watch out, you were watching a fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the tempers were up, and it was just hot, hot, hot. Exactly, and Boston College every now and then have a good robbery game with them. Yeah. They just won every single year, but it was always a robbery. And, hell, the last several years, I mean, there's no robbery. None, none whatsoever. And without a rival, I feel like you lose a little bit of your intensity and your ferociousness. But is that because USC has fallen off the wayside so much? Is that because Boston College just really didn't play too much with them this, these last couple of years? Or is it just they were that crappy of a team? I really don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's a valid question. Yeah, I mean, that's a legit question, no doubt. I just – I don't know. I mean, I never, I never really thought that until just now. But Notre Dame really – the hell I got going on with this mic here? <laughs> Technical difficulties. <laughs> Emotional damage. This song got here. Quit moving, you bastard. <laughs> oh, shit. Language. Oh, shit. While he's working on his mic over here, we'll talk about the next uh, recruit. We got a defensive lineman, uh, Shamar Stewart. He's undecided. Six foot six, 272 pounds. Top three teams include Georgia, Miami, and Texas A&M. What the fucker? (laughs) (laughs) That was a solid bitch. (laughs) Oh. You might have to put about $20 in the damn jar. I'll put a fucking microphone in the trash. 
I'm sorry, y'all. I apologize for the language. I'm sorry. <laughs> this thing is really starting to piss me off. Why the hell is it humming? Trap at the bottom of the microphone. Cut it off and cut it back on, maybe. That's my microphone. No, it's not. Oh, 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 we got it. Maybe. Oh, shit. <laughs> there all right, we go. All right, all right, we're back. We're <laughs> back. Don't touch it again. <laughs> shit. <laughs> my, my bad, y'all. I mean, I'm sorry. I just. <laughs> but he was about to throw the thing out the window. He hauled back, getting ready to throw it. I had to stop him. That's why I got quiet right there. Man, it's damn that. If it don't work, it's got to go. <laughs> it's got to go. All right. So starting back over, number nine on my list is Shamar Stewart, defensive lineman. He's undecided. Uh, six foot six, two hundred and seventy-two pounds. Top three includes Georgia, Miami, and surprise, surprise, Texas A&M. Miami Hurricanes. Yes, sir. Has a long reach advantage with room to gain weight. Has a wide wingspan, which stretches over 80 inches. And has also played defensive end or defensive tackle. That's going to be either a Georgia or Miami sign. I think so. Uh, I'll be honest. I could really see Miami getting that. I would like to see Miami get it over Georgia or a just so we don't have to play with that. For whatever reason, Miami has always, for, I mean, year in, year out, even through the Mandy A's years, Miami's always signing good edge, edge players, defensive line players, mm-hmm. especially defensive ends. <clears throat> They've always had good defensive ends. And I would not be surprised at all to see them get him, especially with Georgia, the massive amounts of depth they got at that position. And then you look at Texas A&M and the massive amounts of depth they got on their defensive line. Yeah. Miami, you got a new coach, changing the culture. When you got a new coach, it's a great time to sign with the team because it's a level playing field. This coach ain't got no relationships with nobody. Absolutely. On this team, and this kid could, could, you know, could even become a day one starter with any team he signs with. But I think his best chance to start is going to be with Miami. I really do. Mm Because that that was one thing that Miami was missing last year was a good defense. Defense, head coach, defensive (laughs) coordinator, um, football team, offensive line, (laughs) running back. It wasn't. It was missing the head coach. I'm just gonna leave the head coach. <laughs> they had a lot of talented players. I am not gonna attack no player because you know what? If you got a scholarship to a big program like that, you're a talented player. Absolutely. It's Absolutely. just up to the coaches once you get there to find a way to bring out your talent. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's all about uh, career, you know talent building, career building, and just development in general. And that's one thing that the last coaching staff couldn't do. Without a doubt. Next up, quarterback, 
Ty Simpson ends our list at number 10. He is committed to Alabama. Poor guy. <laughs> Six foot two, 200 pounds. And he's actually compared to Matt Jones. Has decent mobility and good pocket presence. Prefers to stay in the pocket, but will tuck it and run if need be. Can throw from different various angles. Has good arm strength, good accuracy. He had 124 completions, 1,888 yards, 20 touchdowns, and 4 INTs in the 2021 season. He rushed for 311 yards, 2 touchdowns, or I'm sorry, he rushed for 311 yards and uh, 7 touchdowns. He'd be 4th string. Think so? You got Bryce Young, who's a sophomore. Right. Then you got his backup. Then the third string, you got Bear Bryant's great-grandson. Is it great-great-grandson or grandson? Great I think grandson. it's great-great-grandson. Great-grandson. Either way, he looked pretty great. Yeah, he looked pretty good. <laughs> but uh, He'd have to be a whole player to crack top three. And, I mean, you know, he could sit there for a season, become a red shirt, and then compete for a job, say, next year once uh, Bryce Young was gone. If Bryce Young leaves next year. Yeah, that's true. If he's good enough to leave. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got talent. I ain't going to knock talent. That boy's damn good. Yes, sir. He, but, I mean, I don't know. I, I think he's got some personal issues that he needs to, to figure out as far as – his uh, his money goes, but we shall see. Biggest thing he needs to work on is leadership. Yeah. And he needs to do a little bit of soul searching. Because ain't nothing wrong with having a little bit of swagger on the field. Ain't nothing wrong with that at all. But when you let your arrogance and your attitude get the best of you, and you come out looking very unprepared in the national championship game, that don't look good. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of that, I think, has to do with he put up so many yards on Georgia the game before that he just thought it was going to be a cakewalk. Obviously not. Well, he was a true freshman Heisman winner, too. Yeah. And had a huge NIL deal. I mean, hell, it. 18 years old, 19 years old, you got all the money you want. You got a Heisman Trophy. You're going to the Natty to play a team that you just beat. I'm surprised his head could fit on the bus. <laughs> Absolutely. Actually, I think they had to get a hot air balloon for him. Yes, sir. But uh, <laughs> I reckon that wraps up our SEC list. Yep, SEC down and going. Next up is ACC Top 10. We're going to start out with a quarterback commit, Cade Klubnik for Clemson. Six foot two and a half, 186 pounds. Had 189 completions for 3,251 yards, 43 touchdowns, and three INTs. Had also 70 rushes for 465 yards and 12 touchdowns. And this is just in the 2021 season. That's going to add some controversy. Yes, sir. Because, uh, Clemson, don't get me wrong, Uli Ongle, he showed moments of brilliance this past year, but he also had several moments where 
showed a lot of uncertainty, a lot of doubts. I know the Clemson fan base was wanting him gone and out of town, but I'm just going to say it. Y'all are a very, very spoiled fan base. Absolutely. You are not going to have generational quarterbacks every single year. It doesn't work that way. Absolutely not. And the thing with Klubnik is he is – he's got star written all over him. He's got good arm strength, good uh, avoidability, has great pocket presence, and is really a leader in the huddle. <clears throat> that's, that's all good and well, but also he might struggle like Uli Ungle. Uli Ungle was a five-star, remember? Yes, sir. He was hell. They said he was better than Trevor Lawrence. A lot of the coaches, Dabo Sweeney, had been quoted saying there was a lot of times in practice where Uli Ungale made Trevor Lawrence look average. Now, was was that just Dabo trying to build confidence in his quarterback? Was that him trying to build confidence in the fans? Was that him trying to build confidence in himself, or was it was it true? Well, hell, I mean, in the spring game, he was sitting there on the sideline on one knee talking to people when he threw a pass to the end zone. Yeah. That was about 60 yards. Yeah. I mean, that is a fact. But you know what I just thought about? The other night while we were doing our coaching pod, our podcast about uh, Tony Elliott, all the coaching changes. This past year was Tony Elliott's first year as a the sole offensive coordinator by himself. <laughs> First year in a new system. Yep. And now you're starting over. Another new system. Yep. I mean, it's. Clemson is going to have a hard road to hold this year. Especially with the Wake Forest quarterback coming back. Yeah, old Hartman. That, yep. that kid's a damn stud. Yeah, well, Sam Hartman's going to be coming back. Some of these teams are going to get better, especially with the coaching changes that have happened. I solely believe that at least Virginia Tech and Miami. Without a doubt. Are going to be coming back with a grudge, with, with a chip on the shoulder. Clemson, you better watch out for those two teams. Not to mention, again, like I said, the Wake Forest team. I mean – Pitt, I think, is going to fall off too, but you know we'll get into that to it at a later time. But yeah, Clemson's got a hard road to hold. Hey, you don't never know what the hell Florida State's going to do. <laughs> <laughs> I know what they're going to do with that coach they got. We don't know. <laughs> I mean, hell, I didn't think he was going to make it to this past year, but he's still there. I don't know how. Uh, he, he he must have some blackmail on somebody. Nah. I don't, I don't know what deal is. We ain't, we ain't going to begin to get into all that. But, nah, Clemson, man, I mean, I just, I don't know if this is what, don't get me wrong, you need to recruit quarterbacks without a doubt. And hats off to them, but I just don't know if a quarterback controversy is what the doctor ordered right now. Because the quarterback's a position that is solely one of the biggest factors that makes a quarterback his confidence. Right. Absolutely. If the quarterback ain't got confidence in himself, I mean, he's going to be all over the field. He's not going to be as accurate. He's going to be, you know, pushing, 
straining trying to get uh, complete passes that aren't there. Double and triple pumping. Yep. Taking sacks. Taking sacks, throwing INTs. Yeah. So if you're bringing in this stud of athlete, a quarterback, all I can say is they need to figure out very early on, probably after the spring game, they need to know who's QB1 and end this whole controversy, the whole nine yards. It should be an interesting spring game. It should be. Maybe we can actually pronounce some last names this time. <laughs> I mean, I can, I can pronounce Klubnik better than I can Uli Inglay. Yeah. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt, man. But uh, who you got next? Next up, Zach Rice, offensive tackle, committed to North Carolina, six foot six, two 282 pounds. Kid's got a very, very nasty attitude. Got a chip on the shoulder. Explodes off the snap. And he sticks to his blocks. Got quick feet. And able to get downfield and destroy the linebackers. How's the footwork look? Quick choppy feet. Short choppy feet. And just real quick. I'm saying a quick by I me mean, as far as his spread. His steps. His first step firing off the ball. Does he get a good angle on the defensive lineman? Does he set himself up for a second step to get that power stroke? Oh, yeah. Or, oh, yeah. yeah. oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the footwork is – it looks like he's been in college. Good. Good, good, <clears throat> good. That's always exciting. I always, always want to know when you talk about offensive line, my first question is always going to be how's footwork look? How's <laughs> footwork look and how does he set himself up? Does he get too high? Does he get a little bit off balance? Right. And, All these uh, things make offensive line. And that's one thing that UNC needed this this year was a good offensive tackle. Yeah, they did because, I mean, they're going to be bringing in a new quarterback now because Sam Howell, he's moving on. Yep. So they're going to need a good offensive line. They're going to need to rebuild it for a new quarterback. They're going to need a defense, something fierce, though. Mm-hmm. It's um, – and UNC did a real good job with the recruiting this year. They've got a couple of other guys that we're about to talk about, but I think they're on the right track. But we'll see. Next up, we got a um, Josh Connolly Jr. offensive tackle who is uncommitted, six foot five, two hundred and eighty-three pounds. Right now, he's just got a top six list of Washington. Oklahoma, Oregon, Michigan, USC Trojans, and Miami. He's defensive lineman. Offensive tackle. Offensive tackle. Miami, you need to be all over this. And he was looking at Oregon, wasn't he? Uh, yes, sir, Oregon. So, so that, that tells me that he's got uh, ties with Miami's head coach. Crystal ball. Yes, sir. First of all, you need to be working on this right now because Miami really, really needs a good offensive line. They need to rebuild that O-line. The first step on any team, you come in as a coach, a new job, the very first step you got to do is establish the line of skill, the line of scrimmage. Yes, you got to build that offensive line and you got to build a defensive line. Absolutely. That offensive line will uh, keep your – your running backs, your quarterback, and everybody healthy. That defensive line keeps men off of your linebackers so they can get downfield. Well, see, the great thing about offensive line is is it sets the tone for the whole game, and your whole offensive game plan flows off that O-line. If you can establish the run, mm-hmm. you got it. 
Yep. You got it. Because once you can establish the run, you can run the ball consistently and effectively. Then you set up the play-action pass. Mm -hmm. Then you can move the quarterback outside the pocket and drop a deep ball here and there occasionally. You got the safeties at your will because the safeties are always – once you get to where you can run the ball that effectively, the safeties are going to bump up. The corners are going to be eyeing the line of scrimmage instead of watching the receiver. Everybody keys on run. And even if you can buy your wide receiver just a split second for the – the corners and the safeties just to be watching to see if that handoff is good. That gives them enough time to get around and get open. That's exactly right. And I mean, anytime you watch football, if you ever pay attention, you'll always notice the team that runs the football the best is also the team that has the more explosive, big chunk plays in the passing game because of the fact that all your defensive backs, linebackers, corners, everybody's key and run. You hit a play-action pass one good time, nine times out of ten, you're going to have one guy that's going to get loose deep. Bam. Big yep. chunk play. Absolutely. Then after you hit that one big chunk play, the safety's going to bump back. Linebacker's going to bump back. Then you go back to feeding it to him again. Yep. Here comes that Nova King. Yes, sir. Every time. <laughs> it works every time. That's right. Next up, we got a defensive lineman signed with UNC, Travis Shaw, six foot five, 310 pounds. Kid's got plenty of power and is a true bull rusher. Great job driving the pocket back and has great awareness and able to read plays and react quickly. Um, and I really couldn't find any stats for this kid for 2021. I don't know what was going on with it, but I couldn't find anything for the kid as far as stats-wise. North Carolina's always had some good defensive line. Joyce always, Peppers. Yes, sir, Joyce Peppers. One of the best to ever do it. And if you're in North Carolina, you got to be looking to change it up on defense for sure. Especially after how that bowl game went against South Carolina. I mean, they – and going right back to what I just said, South Carolina was able to run the ball at will on North Carolina. Uh-huh. And as a result of that, we've seen what happened. Absolutely opened up the deep place. Yes, sir. I mean, just ate them, slap up. Well, especially when you uh, when you're looking at Joiner, who is a who they've actually used as a running quarterback, Wildcat the whole year. Yes, sir. And so the safeties have to walk up because you know they think that Joiner could take off at any time. He's quick enough to be able to get downfield, but when he throws it over the top, it's it was a beautiful sight. Well, see, that's the whole beauty of a dual-threat quarterback. Any quarterback that has any kind of mobility, that's what used to be so special about Ben Roethlisberger back in the day is because literally he has just enough just enough escapability, mm-hmm. I'd say, mm-hmm. that as soon as he starts to scramble, starts getting towards that line of scrimmage, these corners are going to peel off that receiver. They're going to attack the quarterback to prevent the scramble. And when it happens, last minute, they can do a little dink and dunk. Yep. Right over the head of the corner to the receiver. Pick up another 8, 10 yards after the catch. A uh, dual threat quarterback, man, is so dangerous in so many ways. And the bad thing is, now, it used to be a known fact dual threat quarterback did not have arm. Yeah. Now you got dual threat quarterbacks they can still sling it yep. 50, 60, 70 yards I mean yep. it's, it's it's ridiculous I mean you look at some of these guys like Patrick Mahomes Aaron Rodgers hell even 
back in the day it saved Brett Favre. Yeah. They can sling the hell out of it. And, and the thing is, they bore you asleep because they'll stay in the pocket until the pocket closes, and that's when they, you know, they escape. And then here they come for, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten yards. That's exactly right. I mean, you think back about, hell, we'll say 11 years ago now. Crazy things that long ago. Remember, Carolina had Steven Garcia. Mm-hmm. And, hell, and Connor Shaw. Connor Shaw, the best quarterback in Carolina history. Yep, arguably. Statistically. Yeah. Garcia and Connor Shaw. Both of them, Shaw was a little bit quicker. But what they both were so good at is they could get outside the pocket and it would cause those defensive backs, those linebackers, everybody to key in on the screen, or key in on the run, leave their man in coverage, and then boom, there you go. Yep. Or if the play breaks down, all of a sudden they could take off, take nothing, and get you something with it. Yep. Here goes Ace Sanders and Alshon Jeffrey down the field. That's exactly right. What you got up next there, big dog? Uh, looks like we got a cornerback up uh, for Clemson, Jaden Lucas, six foot two, one hundred and eighty-five pounds. This kid has a lot of tricks up his sleeve. is very slippery, uh, fluid with his motions, and uh, you know can replace quickly. Um, doesn't you know isn't afraid to uh, mix it up with the wide receivers on the line of scrimmage, jamming. And uh, has plenty of hand strength uh, whenever he catches the ball uh, for interceptions. And, uh, you know, he can compete with any elite wide receiver out there today, in my opinion. That'd be good. That'd be good. Clemson definitely needs some help in the secondary. They improved a little bit this year from years past, but it's still a little bit of a struggle for the team. But I really like the sign because if you're Clemson, you're losing – some great linebackers. You lose Laskowski, who's probably one of your best linebackers in program history. So I mean, you really got to step it. You really got to step it up in that secondary because now you're not going to have all these experienced veterans who can just constantly get pressure on the quarterback, create problems. So now, without without having that pressure, you're going to have to find a way to cover over the top. Because now the quarterbacks are going to have a little bit of cushion. They're going to have a little bit more time to read. With that being said, you're going to need your guys back there who can apply pressure on these receivers. They can stick to the man. They can press them at the line of scrimmage, but also give them a little bit of cushion in the deep secondary. Right. you got to strengthen that secondary up now. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, we caught it last year. That, that secondary was very suspect. It, it was pretty suspect, without a doubt. And also this year – you're going to have a new defensive coordinator coming in there after the loss of Vendables, mm-hmm. transferring over to Oklahoma to take the job with the Sooners. So Vendables is always a very much in-your-face kind of guy. With this Clemson class, they're bringing in a lot of defensive backs coverage guys might tell you, okay, maybe they're going to adapt to the modern game the way college football's evolved a little bit. Maybe he's going to come in be a little bit more of a pass, a little bit more of a pass-focused defense, mm-hmm. if you will. Absolutely. And, I mean, it's just really hard to say. We're, again, it's, it's going to be a very interesting spring season to watch with Clemson this year to see, to get those questions answered. Are they going to be more of a coverage team? Are they going to be, a, you know, the, the blitz package team that, you know, from years past? You know, it's, it's going to be a very interesting thing to watch. Yeah, it's definitely going to be very interesting. There's going to be a lot of notes. going to learn a lot of new things because we're going to be looking at a different offensive coordinator and a different D.C. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, Clemson the past several years has been a team that has run the ball a lot more than any other school in the SEC. In the ACC, because <laughs> if you really think about it, how many schools in ACC can you think of off the top of your head that was a run-oriented offense? Run-oriented? I can only think of maybe one or two. Yeah, who were those? North Carolina. North Carolina's pass first. Sam Howe. I mean, all those running backs putting up. All the stats of what they did the last couple seasons? That was in 2020. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, Wake Forest? Wake Forest would definitely pass. Pass first. Hell, Sam Hartman, I think he was averaging around 45 throws a game, 50 throws a game. I well, could be wrong. I was thinking uh, Bill Smith had put up quite a few yards. Mm, he actually hadn't put up that many. It was decent, but all the yards he put up was over, I think, a three-year period. Okay. Well, I improved wrong. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> ACC has become a very much pass-heavy type league. Virginia Tech still ran the ball a pretty good bit, but, hell, I really don't know how that's going to go now because that's a big change up down there, too. But, anyways, on to the next one, man. What you got? Next up, we got a safety, Sam McCall from Florida State. He's a multi-sport athlete playing football, basketball, track, and has dabbled a little bit in baseball as well. He ran the uh, he ran an 11.10 100-yard dash his junior year. Very physical player, a bit of a ball hawk, and could be an elite uh, receiver. But size says that he should be in the secondary. What position they got him coming in or at? Safety. I can see that, especially with the meter being how many seconds? It was 11.10 with a 100-yard dash. 11.10, 100-yard dash. So you're looking at very low fours mm-hmm. in the 40. I'm curious on what's 40-yard time is because that tells me he's got great top end speed and makes water about his burst. But if he played safety, I would say he would have to have good bursts. Receivers don't so much have that quick burst. Receivers, especially deep thrust, are always known for the top end speed. Safeties are known for bursts because they got to make a beat on the ball. Mm-hmm. They got to cut that pass off. So he's probably going to be very successful. Very speedy guy. Probably looking at something kind of like a Jalen Foster or uh, Co Simpson from the old days of South Carolina, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, I mean, he's definitely got the size, the ability, the skills to, to really be able to do either, really, um, in my personal opinion. Next up, we'll have a wide receiver, another Clemson guy, and his name is Antonio Williams. Carolina fans may remember this thing. Yeah, um... This is a guy who really was showing a lot of attention in South Carolina, really was leaning real heavily towards the Gamecocks along along, and Clemson missed on one recruit and focused in on him. And hats off to Clemson. I mean, they they were able to kind of persuade the young man and mm-hmm. get him to curve and go back towards their way a little bit, and yeah. here he is. Yeah. He's ranked as the 21 overall in wide receivers in uh, this class. The kid is a player, can play the ball in the air, or outrun a defender, has elite speed, great hands, and a good vertical jump. 
wonder what his vertical is. I wasn't able to get that those stats down, but from what I'm seeing, he, he was getting up in the air pretty good, mossing people. That's always good. You always want to you always want a receiver that's got good vertical, especially in the red zone because that is extremely critical. And Clemson had a lot of really that's a little bit of what their issue was this past year is they had some good guys who were great for getting down the field, some good slots, some good deep threats. But the issue with Clemson had this past year was red zone offense. They were not punching it in when they needed to, especially through the air. They probably need a little bit more of that big body receiver that's going to be able to jump up and bring the ball down for them. Absolutely. And, I mean, they're going to be losing some receivers in the draft this year. So, I mean, it, it's always good to, to replace, and, you know, especially to get the depth because we all know those receivers, they're more apt to get hurt than really a lot of the other players other than the line. Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. No doubt. All right. Next up we got number eight. Cyrus Moss, he's an edge guy, and he is going to Miami. Six foot six, two hundred and twenty. Runs a four six two forty. Has a vertical of thirty three point six zero inches, and is a former safety who's filled out physically. Very speedy and has good burst, good handwork, able to shed blocks. Got a twitchiness to him for his speed rushing. Being a former safety, you can also drop into zone coverage and cover the flats. I don't know if I like this so much as an edge rusher because he just doesn't have – he's going to have to put on a lot of weight. Yes, sir. Now, if he's got the speediness, the burst, he might could beat some of these offensive linemen off the ball, and that could be a big, a big weapon for him to use. But at the same time – you let a 300-pound offensive lineman get on a 220-pound edge man. I wasn't the best at math, but those numbers don't <laughs> add up, man. I mean, that's that's uh, that's something meeting a movable object right there. Exactly. But then again, I mean, who knows? Miami has always had really good defensive linemen and linebackers. Yep. Just defensive players, period. They've always turned out a lot of great players, and they've always been good at developing until here recently. Yeah. Manny. Yeah. But, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to say I like the sign. I do like the sign. I don't know if he's going to you know, remain at the edge or if he's going to be moved more as an interior linebacker. It's uh, just all going to depend on you know what they decide to do, if they want to try to put weight on the kid or, or you know what what's going to happen there. Just, you know, when, when a kid's used to carrying that kind of frame, if you put weight on them, that, that could slow them way down. You just you just never know. Well, it all depends. I mean, you look at someone like Jordan Birch from South Carolina. If you put on muscle weight, get him up to about 240, which, I mean, when he gets in the weight room in the college atmosphere, constantly weightlifting in this program and everything, I could definitely see him easily putting on an additional 20, 30 pounds of hell. If he gets up to 240, 245 in that range, he'd be perfect for edge. Absolutely. That would be a good size. He'd still be a little light for the offensive lineman, but he'll have the strength and have enough weight to throw around to make it count, especially if he has good hand placement and uses hands well. Yep. And, uh, you know, good footwork. That's exactly right. Next up, wide receiver, North Carolina, Andre Green. Six foot three, 185 pounds. Extremely quick off the line, good speed burst, 
great route running and able to get open. Has the length and ability uh, to be able to jump for you know the high throws. Can shield off a defender and strong hands to be able to, to control the ball once it's caught. Has uh, speed to be able to con you know con be a consistent deep threat. I like it. I like it because North Carolina, they're a little depleted right now at receiver position. It was a shame he couldn't come in this past year because this year Sam Howell was really – he had maybe two big targets, and that was really it this year in North Carolina. Like he was a little bit struggling somewhat having to force his hand sometimes just because he didn't have trust in those other guys. Oh, absolutely. You know, and not to mention, I mean, he was used to being able to hand out the ball the year before too for his running backs and – you know, be able to have that, you know, run first mentality. Yeah, no doubt. Like I said, man, a running game can set up the passing game always. Absolutely. Last but not least, we got a, another corner at Clemson, Toriano Pride, 5'11", 185 pounds. Consistency is the key word with this guy. Able to read an offense and react to the ball. Sniffs out screen uh, plays like nobody's business and has played snaps at wide receiver and running back also, so he understands what he's actually reading from the wide receivers and running backs and covering. Yeah, it's always great to be able to play. I'm a firm believer. <laughs> I'm a very much a firm believer in if you play on both sides of the ball, it really helps you all together as a player because if you play running back or, say, fullback, on offense, but then you play middle linebacker on defense. Playing fullback is going to help you so much as a linebacker because it gives you a better understanding of reading run plays, understanding the blocking scheme the fullback has to go through, etc. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that first step, just watching the footwork, you can key on how a play goes. Right. And vice versa, if you're a fullback, you understand what a linebacker is looking at. You're understanding that a Mike linebacker, nine times out of ten, his man is going to be the fullback. He's reading you. So wherever you go, you know good and well, okay, i got to make sure I establish this block because if I don't, he's going to get through. Absolutely. So playing both ways always is a big help for a player. I'm a little concerned that he's able to hone in on the screen, the screen pass, like you say he is, because uh, – it's kind of like that defensive back the Cowboys had this year, the Cowgirls. So what was his name, uh, Trayvon Diggs? Yes, sir. Was it Trayvon Diggs? Stephon Diggs. I, I believe it's Trayvon, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was Trayvon. Stephon plays for the Bills, the receiver. Yeah. All right. Had the most picks in the league this year. But he also gave up the most big plays yeah. in the league this year. Why is that? Because he was honing in, trying to get – he was trying to jump the gun. Yeah. A little too much, and the quarterbacks they knew flat out. Okay, if he doesn't pick this off, touchdown. Yeah. So you gotta you gotta be patient, but you also got to still be aggressive enough to get the burst. You gotta time yourself. You can't get a little too gun happy. Yeah, like a little boy with a crap wolf. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So. But you notice, once again, it's a defensive back for Clemson, mm -hmm. not a linebacker. A corner. Mm-hmm. Beefing up secondary. Yes, sir. 
it's going to be fun to be able to watch these next couple of months, especially when spring gets started, being able to read some of these reports coming out of camp and, you know, just see what it's looking like. And, you know, especially for these teams that have new coaches or new coordinators, it's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, very much so. And it's going to be real interesting, too, to see some of these schools that lost position coaches, not only the head coach change, but some of these guys like Clemson that have given up these position coaches mm-hmm. because now you got a coach who's been in a set. He's been in a set up, basically, for the last seven, eight years. Right. Now he's got to go try to catch lightning in a bottle again. Okay. So... I don't know, but a lot of exciting things to look forward to, a lot of a lot of great things to keep up with this year going into the season, and I mean, it's like we said, all season, I love it, because literally every single day, you learn something new. Yep, every, every day it's something new, whether it's recruiting, coaching, uh, it don't matter, it's just something new every day. Yes, sir, absolutely, well, um... With all that being said, man, I believe we're going to wrap this thing up. Yes, sir. Let's let's go ahead and do that. You know, we, we hear the boss man in there hollering, it's time to go. That's right, man. That's right. Well, uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in. You got any closing thoughts? My only thought going into the close for this episode, man, is just that what a great day it is to be a football fan. You've got the Super Bowl around the corner, preseason ball coming up, well, spring ball coming up, rather. It's just a great time to be a football fan. Yeah, without a doubt, man. I mean, I mean, think about it. We got spring ball in, hell, six weeks? Yep. Yeah, six weeks. Camp starts. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. Then spring ball gets over. Then you got the NFL draft. Then you got summer camps all through the summer. Yep. Seven on seven, all that good fun stuff. Yes, sir. Not to mention the recruiting during the summer months. Oh, absolutely. Film study going over everything, adapting. I mean, there's so much to look forward to. I am beyond stoked. And we're going to be here covering the whole thing. Yes, sir. One step at a time. Yes, sir. Well, um. Everybody, we appreciate y'all tuning in. We hope you come back. This Thursday, we'll have another episode coming out. Yes, sir. This should be pretty good. We're going to be starting to kick into our year in review on several teams. We're probably going to start off with the one team. (laughs) (laughs) Who? You know, the Boo Boo Devils. The the Boo Devils? The Boo Devils. Ooh, the Boo Devils. Should be interesting. A very interesting year in review. Yes, sir. Now, they actually had a couple of good wins last season. I was looking at their schedule. They had a couple of quality ones. I watched one the other night looking at a little bit of film on them. But they had some good wins. They had some bad losses, too. But at the same time, you learn more from the losses. You get to look at it and say, okay, this is what they were doing wrong. It's hard to figure out what you're doing wrong when you're winning. Exactly. When you're losing – it's easy to find out what you're doing wrong. Absolutely. So we'll be able to address what they did wrong. And then when they come out to spring game in this coming year, we'll be able to see if the new coaching staff is actually able to adapt and fix previous issues. Absolutely. I'm looking forward find to it. 
progress in that. Also, I'm going to be looking forward to putting a little, together a little coaching list for y'all, coming up with top 10 coaches in the ACC and the SEC. But with all that being said, I appreciate y'all tuning in tonight. Look forward to speaking with y'all again Thursday. We'll see y'all soon. Yes, sir.